Ministry Mentorship, Episode 17. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. First of all, I want to let you know about a resource that we're making available in the next couple of weeks. A pastor friend of mine from Oklahoma, Micah Wisdom, and another minister, Angela Harwood from Michigan, are going to be teaming up with me, and we're going to be doing a Bible study online, and we're going to be broadcasting this on my website, ministrymentorship.com, on the 17th of September. Check out our website for more information on this great resource that's going to be coming available. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Reverend O.C. Marler. Brother Marler has traveled across the country speaking, teaching, and mentoring young people. His ministry has spanned over 50 years, and I know that you're going to be blessed as you hear him talk about his ministry experiences. Let's join the conversation now. Okay, we're here today with Brother O.C. Marler, and he has uh, served in full-time ministry for around 55 years. He's pastored and founded a church in Dallas, Texas. He's pastored in Flint, Michigan, and Hodge, Louisiana. He's also served as a full-time home missions director in the Texas district. He's the author of several books. He was on the, one of the founding members of the group that started the Indiana Bible College, Brother Mooney, the president, and he taught there for 18 years. He's traveled extensively in his ministry. He's a, a public speaker and author, and we're just so thankful to have him today. He and his wife, Joan, have been married for 56 years. Brother Marler, welcome to Ministry Mentorship. Well, thank you very much. It's a, it's a privilege to be here with you. Talk to us about the early days of Pentecost, and, and what was it like back then? Well, you know, you're giving me a little bit too much credit, or making me a little older than I really am, I guess. The truth of it is, the early, what I would consider the early days uh was not really my time, but I was so involved in it uh, from the aftermath of it, I I, I suppose you'd say. Like, um, you know, they were getting the Holy Ghost and the revelation of one God, Jesus' name, baptism, probably in the 20s, like, my folks and all, and I was born in 1935. But it was still, when I came along, it was still, um, emphasis was put on prayer and and fasting. It was just a part of their lives. They, they, you know, just, you just were not what you ought to be. If you didn't, you didn't have to be preached and, and oh, so much. You just did it. And uh, they were excited over the revelation. So excited over the revelation. And you heard uh, doctrinal preaching uh, like uh, 
you know, they just uh, use the, the Godhead scriptures over and over and so excited. Uh, back then, they all, everybody, everyone believed the same. Uh, they believed the same. You could have stopped anywhere along the trail, any camp meeting or conference and, and uh, asked, you know, 99% of the people, if you'd asked, you'd have told you. And it would have been the same thing. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost, and living a, a, a godly life. So, but it was very exciting, and, and it seemed as though people got a revelation, what we term a revelation of, uh, of one God and oneness of uh, more than people see it now and sometimes it does dawn on them and they it's almost like a revelation but it seems like it's not it's that boom type thing who I see it you know? talk about your experience getting started in ministry what what was your experience getting started and, and how did that all pan out for you well I tell you what I I I feel sorry for the young ministers today. They don't have it easy. Uh, we didn't have it easy. I don't mean that. We, uh, we didn't have the modern, a lot of the modern conveniences and stuff to do today. But to get it, to get started in the ministry was easier. People, preachers would, they would want you to come hardly unless you was going to stay a month. And then, wow. um, maybe uh, six weeks, and you had church every night. And, and at first, they didn't even take off on Monday night. But then Monday night, they finally started taking off, and some of them thought you compromising by taking off on Monday night. <laughs> wow! Yeah, and people would come, and the the revival would build instead of getting less and less. It would build and the crowds would get better and better. And a lot of times you you left the church because you felt like it was time, but they were still wanting you to go on and, and, and keep going. So a lot of times you'd stay six, eight weeks, uh, even sometimes three months. Uh, you could. And so you didn't have to have but three or four revivals a year or five. But you see, here's another thing. The preachers went to the conferences and the camp meetings with their date books. And they knew that they were going to uh, ask so many young preachers or preachers evangelists before they got home. They didn't have their names written down. But now, they don't go looking for preachers to come and preach for them. Very few. Uh, they just... Uh, uh, have their friends, or they, you know, you have one or two nights, and uh, it, it just, you know, they have their golfing buddies or their fishing buddies or somebody like that. It's just, it's just different today. So uh, it was easier for me, even though the conditions were not as good as they are today. And no air conditioning in your car, hardly, hardly, 
very few had air conditioning cars and staying homes and old Sunday school rooms and stuff like that. So, but, but in some ways, it was better. Now, you mentioned that most pastors, when they're going to conferences, they're going kind of to relax, almost sometimes like vacation maybe, and, and that may be the only time they take a vacation. So, I mean, I understand that aspect a little bit, just being in full-time ministry, being in pastoral ministry. But what does that look like for a young man that knows that? How, how does he get involved? How does he get oh. started? Uh, most, a lot of them don't get, get started. That's why it's very important to have a call into the ministry because, you know, I mean, that's just one aspect of it, but you, you, it, it's tough. It's hard. And, and you have to come in there with your hat in your hand and, and people, preachers knowing that you're hoping they'll ask you and, you know, a lot of preachers have to call preachers and ask them, will they let them come? And that's the meaning to them. They get there, they don't feel like they've been asked as a special speaker. They, they, they're not there because, uh, they needed them. They're there because the preacher was benevolent, was just kind to them and let them come. So, uh, we've got a problem right now. We, we, we've got a problem, and I, I surely do feel sorry for the young preacher today. I really do. A lot of older preachers say, well, bless God, if you if you got it. Yeah. When I started, I didn't have no problem. Well, sir, it's a different day. It's just a different day. Well, you know, one of the things that I see is there are different opportunities maybe even in youth ministry, music ministry, children's ministry, so that in that aspect, within the local church, there are more developed ministries. And I think that that might also be a way for young people to get involved in their local church. Would you agree with that? When I was teaching at the Bible college, and I still do it on occasion, I advise them to do that. If, if they can be a youth leader, or in sometimes in a smaller church, even assistant to the pastor, or just anything uh, to get them uh, worked into the ministry. Uh, you know that you're a hundred percent correct in that, and, and and I thank the Lord that there's other ways of getting into the ministry. But you do want your ministry. To, to what you're doing, you want it to lead somewhere. I knew one man that was a youth leader, and they had to vote for him to stay on, stay on youth leader past the youth leader youth age. Well, that's not good, you know. That's not good. You eventually, you you just serve kind of a you, apprenticeship at a, after a time, you know. Talk to us about some of the things that you have learned. Some of the maybe the the, the top things or a couple of things that you could think of that you've learned throughout all your 55 years of ministry? Well, procrastination is the worst, one of the worst enemies uh, the preacher faces because 
uh, he doesn't punch clock. And so you have to, you have to, uh, work yourself. You have to, you have to stay with it and not, uh, as the old saying is, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Uh, but and one of the things that, uh, advice, I guess, and this would be advice time, maybe stay out of politics. You stay out of politics. You're not called to be a politician. If you're going to be a politician, run for Congress. Run for, get, go get on in there with the, uh, people that all they do is, is politics. Stay with the truth. Stay with the truth. Don't don't budge on the truth. Be kind to everyone, but never compromise. And uh, that's just uh, some things off the top of my head here that I see. Now, talk to us a little bit. You've been in ministry for fifty-five years, and that I mean that's almost two of my lifetimes. Now, how do we develop that kind of a long-term ministry? Let nothing separate us from the love of God, Paul said. And then you have to refuse fads. And you have to keep your spirit right. Even though you have to fight for the truth, this truth, Paul will agree with you. This truth is a fight. You you have to fight all the time for it, and you got to understand that nobody believes what you believe. There may be a few things that we are uh, that we can agree on with. Uh, other denominations and this and that, and when you can, do it. But it's basically a fight. And so you got to be sure that you that you keep the right spirit and the right attitude and uh, keep on loving people. But I, I think... Uh, let nothing separate us from the love of God, either height and depth, principalities or power. Nothing separate us. I think it's about it. Now, Brother Marler, you're an author, and you've written a book that uh, my wife, actually, when she was in Bible school, she took your one of your classes, and the book that she used was called When You Stand to Speak. Let's talk about the importance of preaching. And and why is preaching so important in a in a young minister's life? Well, you know, one one of the reasons is because I believe it's Second Timothy two fifteen. It says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed." Rightly dividing the word truth. And then Romans 10 and 13 says, For 
whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Uh, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Preaching, there's nothing like preaching. You know, uh, I have been a speaker and I've been involved in the National Speakers Association. I've been an officer in it and which I'm, you know, I'm, I guess, almost proud of. But, uh, yet at the same time, that speaking thing has no comparison to preaching. Preaching is getting in a, in a groove of, uh, imparting God's word and and, and and anointing. You've got to somewhere in there have the anointing and the anointing is what is the power that drives that that message home. Um, so just say there's just nothing like preaching. Uh it, uh, if you notice, uh, of course, there are some of these uh, virgin church nuts and all that that are trying to take away the dumb down everything and take no preaching. It's, it's not only not dressing properly, but it's it's not preaching. Just don't get excited. There even some of them going to where you, you don't even speak in tongues or no anointing. They don't want any signs of anointing. There's a few of them, but for the most part, preaching is done maybe for the lack of another word. It's done in another key. It's done in another gear. And I don't mean you have to put on a preacher's tone. I don't mean that. But preaching brings you to another gear when, when it gets you, the anointing eventually gets you off of the runway and you get in the air with it. I'll tell you, there's nothing in the world like preaching. Preaching, you get hooked on preaching. Uh, you get hooked on that feeling of anointing and, and, and you get hooked on it. It's like, it, it must be some, something akin to, there must be trying to, the drug thing must be trying to bring people to, to that point or something because you get so, you, you get so tired. You don't feel like you ever want to preach again. You, but you, you go for four or five days. You got to have that, that feeling and only God could produce that. Is that too much? <laughs> Is that too little, too much? No, that's perfect. That's perfect. And I think there's definitely a pull on young people's lives to feel like we have to measure up to something that we've either seen on YouTube 
or something that we've heard on the radio or even maybe like a big church down the street in our city. And we think, you know, if I could just have what they have, then maybe I could have revival or I could have a move of God. But but that's not really the case, is it? No, that's not the case. That is not the case. No, sir. No, sir. They, uh, you see, most uh, uh, what we call charismatic church, we just label it charismatic. Most of them don't succeed. Most of them fail. You just know of the big ones, the mega. And, and behind that is a personality, a big personality. Uh, most every time, you know, just take for the nominal churches, Baptist churches. I believe, if I remember right, the average, the average church is about 36 people. But when you look at, uh, some of the big Baptist churches, we used to look at W.A. Criswell, and we used to look at R.G. Lee in Memphis, in Memphis uh, Bellevue Baptist Church, and all that. And it looked like, you know, the Baptist, you could just be Baptist, you'd be big. You know, uh, that was just a few, very select few that was had these. Most of the churches were small or went out of business before they ever got started. And, and and that's the way it really is. That's the way it really is. And, and you know, everybody gets anointed different. I'm coming back to that a little bit. Everybody gets anointed different. You don't have to scream and holler. You do scream and holler sometimes. And that's, that's, but, but, but anointing, you can almost whisper. I, I heard a missionary one time. He was so talk so soft that he had to get into the microphone closer. But uh, he was in he, 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 he Spanish or something. He got so anointed in that uh, everybody leaned forward and didn't want to miss a word. So, but I'm getting you off the track there. I'm getting you off. No, no, that's, I think this is perfect, Brother Marley. This is perfect. This is what we need to talk about because there's been such a paradigm shift in some ways where where we, we start looking at success and we say, well, if I'm going to be successful, I have to have this type of a ministry or I have to have, I have to talk like this or be like this. And, and not just necess- not just with our own, with other churches in our city other denominations, but even in our own ranks, as a young person, as an evangelist, I thought I've got to preach and I could go down the names because that's what I had listened to. That's what I'd grown up with. And I thought I've got to preach like that person. And it came to a point in my life where, where I had to say, okay, you know, Jacob, this is who you are. This is who God's called you to be. Preach and minister and be who you are and let God put his anointing on you and use you just the way you are. And I think we need to hear that message. I spoke on that two, two weeks ago somewhere. And, and, and it's just what I was talking about. You, God made you different from everyone in the world. And you're going to stand in judgment by yourself. And that's how, that's how different you are. That you are a total individual. And when you start trying to be like somebody else, God can't use you because he didn't call them in your life. He called you. 
So you have to be the best that you can be, not somebody else. You can't talk like them. You can't walk like them. You can't prepare your sermons like them. You got God. If God calls you, you've got a place and a way. And eventually, somebody's going to want to be like you uh, because you are who you are. Of course, they would miss it if they tried. But that's the way it is. I, I, I and whenever I was younger, I, I remember seeing preachers try to walk like some the preachers that we thought was out front and uh, try to talk like them and try to gesture like them. Well, what is your gestures? How do you walk? You you just can't, you can't do it like that. It's got to be you. And whenever God finds out who you are, uh, when you find out, I'd rather help. God has fixed you. You pray and fast and seek God, and but you're still going to go through, and, and you may never be. You know, the worst thing. I'm, I'm fixing to say something here that fixing to say something here that uh, I want you. If you write it down, you have to clarify it for me, because I, I appreciate our the big churches in the oneness movement. I appreciate them. And I wouldn't have it no other way. And I, and I, and I, know, I but I'm telling you, they're the worst things that happen to the average preacher. The mega churches in Pentecost are the worst things that happen. Of course, like I say, you, I don't mean you do away with them because thank God we've got big churches. But everyone starts trying to receive their instructions from these churches. But if every church was pretty well the same and just more of them, it would be better because we, we, we don't, we don't use our heads. We don't use our hearts. I, I think what I'm hearing is that we can't take the quick fix and just say, I'm just going to mimic somebody else. And and I say quick fix, you know, obviously in their preparation of their time, but, but you're saying if you'll really get a hold of God and really seek the Lord for your ministry, God will open those doors and he'll use you just the way that you are. And go through the uh, period of time. Don't get in too big a hurry. That's exactly right. Just, be willing to abound and be obeyed. Just, just fight the good fight and keep on going and let nothing separate you. Just keep on going. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all Now, longevity. Uh, a preacher should find, uh, I, I have done this. Now, I, I, I did uh, find a place that I wanted to be the rest of my life, but I let... Uh, I want, uh, they wanted me to go home mission director full time, and I allowed that to happen. But most churches, the pastor has been at the same, they've grown pretty good size. They've had one pastor for a long, long time. And uh, 
They've had a pastor for a long time, and most churches have had three, two or three major splits in their churches. When a split comes, sometimes a preacher thinks the Lord's through with him. No, that's just come. Every most churches they've grown big. They keep it quiet. They have they have these silent earthquakes, and uh, but a little church splits. Everybody knows it because it took half their congregation. But you have to be willing to, you just have to be willing to fight it on. Now, Brother Marler, what are some of the things that a young person, young man, young lady needs to keep in mind as they prepare to preach? Just maybe two or three tips that that might well, help a young person. Get a journal. And every time you see an illustration that you think is good, write it down and keep it. And uh, uh, don't just uh, read what you want to read. Read uh, other things. And uh, if you've got a thought, uh, try to get uh, an illustration to go with it. Spice it up. Think. Allow yourself to think. You need to think about what, how the people are going to receive something and what's good for them. And so, you, of course, in my day, you, you know, everybody's trying to use computers now, and I'm not going to even say anything against it because there's no use. It's going to happen anyway. Uh, but I, I, I like to see books spread out and... Uh, and read everything there is on the Bible. Run, run the references, and and put about five uh, points down. Statement of fact. Get get a good title for what you, everybody needs to kind of know what they're talking about. So kind of kind of sum sum up your sermon in a title the best you can. Put you an introduction to what you're going to say. Then put uh, uh, Roman number one or I'm just saying that for clarification here. Roman number one. State a fact. State what you're doing. And then you can put A, B, C under the bottom Put, put your statement of fact across there. That's your big point there, and that's all you're dealing with. At that time, you're dealing with Roman numeral one, and you put at least two or three things that you want to say about that statement of fact. And then you go to a statement of fact number two, and uh, you, you make that in big caps so you can see it easy. Don't make too many notes. Too many notes will kill you. Too many notes will bog you down. Too many notes just, you, you, you can't see all that. Then put another A, B, or C under that. Maybe one more and, and put A, B, and C, and then a conclusion. You know, a salesman, when he's making his sales pitch, he, he's going to be sure that he, Closes that right. If he don't close it, he's wasted about everything he says. And so you demand some kind of action. 
come to the altar, consecration. You, do, you, you want some kind of action. Of course, there's other kinds of preaching. If you're going uh, extemporaneous, you know, or there's, uh, you know, just read down through the scriptures and talk from the scriptures. You can do it that way. That's a lot of time Bible study type. But for the most part, whenever we talk about sermon material, uh, I know what we're talking about. A lot of time we're, you know, we're, we're thinking about Jeff Arnold. We're thinking about Anthony Mangan. We're, we're thinking about Paul Mooney. We're thinking about everybody's hitting the treetops. So we're not really talking about uh, Bible studies and stuff like that. We're talking about the, what we heard him preach. Most of our preaching probably is going to be the type that I was just talking to you about. But if you let your mind wander a little bit, a lot of times you're doing a lot of good work when you're staring out the window. Well, Brother Marlon, this has been some great information, and I, I I would really love for for anybody that can to get a hold of this book. I think it would really help them in their ministry. How could how could a young person get in touch with you, uh, and maybe get in touch with your book? Oc dot at yahoo dot com. That's my email address. Okay, oc dot at yahoo dot com. That's right, and they better mention something about church or book or Pentecost or something, because I don't get on if I don't know them most, most of the time. Uh, I'd be happy to, to send it to them. Awesome. And and we're going to try to make this available on our website and, and have links and, and just make sure that if you want to get in touch with Brother Marler, I'm sure he'd, he'd be able to answer any questions or or uh, be, to have that for you. Brother Marler, we, we really appreciate you being with us. Well, thank you so much. I I appreciate being with you. Now, I wonder if you could just take a minute as we close and just say a prayer for that young person that that is feeling a call to ministry right now. All right, sir. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of working for you. And we realize that there are new people coming into your service to the service of the Lord. And so we want them to be successful. And uh, so we we ask, Lord, that they be conscious of prayer, that they be conscious of consecration and dedication and that they're willing to put their ministry first. And Lord, we ask you to not let them be influenced by playboys and fly-by-night type people, but give them principle. And I ask, Lord, that you make them conscious of the fact but they need constant devotion with you. They need to stay in your presence. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. 
find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. You can also leave us a comment, subscribe to our newsletter, make a donation, or connect on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.